Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, helping people find and follow God. In this series, we'll be talking about mental health and the gospel. There is an inseparable link between our mental health and our spiritual health. We hope God's word will speak to you through these messages, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey. To find out more about our church, to visit us in person, or to give online, visit threecreekschurch.com. Well, good morning, friends. My name is Tyler. This is my wife, Julie. Um, As Joel said earlier, we get to be the pastors of care and counseling here at Three Creeks. Uh, We're in week four of our mindset series, looking at the gospel and mental health um, and and the intersection of those two. And so, so far in the series, uh, you've heard a lot from us, kind of on the personal side. We heard last week from our friends Colin and Aaron on the personal side. Uh, Joel has helped us walk through scripture and what the Bible has to say about this. And last week, we, had a, we got a taste of kind of the clinical, uh, more medical side of mental health. And this week, we get to unpack that aspect a lot more. Yeah, so we are privileged to have people that have experience in clinical counseling here with us this morning to kind of have that, com- that final conversation with us in our last week of our series. So we'll get to, they'll introduce themselves. We'll have some questions for them about um, spirituality and mental health and how those intersect and how we as Christians can address um, issues in our lives. Um, We have questions about, like, that are more practical, like, what does counseling look like? Um, If you need any of those questions answered. And also we have questions at the end just about how we can support family or friends who might be going through something. If this isn't something that we see in our own lives, how can we help other people? So we're super excited. And we're hopeful that this is a conversation that kind of looks like we're just talking on the couch, you know, just kind of like what our community group discussions look like. So enjoy. So that, take it away. You can introduce yourself. All right. Hey, guys. I'm Keandria Scott. I am a student at Ashton Theological Seminary's Clinical Mental Health uh, Counseling Master's Program. I'm Wendy Adelman, and I am a, been a counselor for 35 years working inpatient, outpatient, um, counseling and within the church. Oh, and I also teach psychology at Columbus State, so, or Franklin, if you ever need to take a class. <laughs> she also happens to teach psychology. That's like yeah. an afterthought for her. <laughs> That'd be the only thing you knew about me if that was true. <laughs> Hello, I'm a professor. Hi, my name is Drew Wagoner, and I'm a counselor with Crossroads Counseling, uh, focused primarily on marriage and family. Um, I've been with them for the last couple years, but I've been doing counseling as a pastor before that with Grace Fellowship Church for probably 10 years prior. My name is Luke Sargent. I'm a, uh, I'm a counselor with um, an agency called New Source Counseling. I have a private practice down in Lancaster, which I've run since about 2014. Um, I do individual counseling, also marriage and family counseling as well. All right, thanks. So Julie and I get to play Regis and Kathy Lee, or I don't, that, that, that's like four of you knew that. Yeah, that's pretty deep. I haven't kept up since I, yeah, I'm a little outdated. Michael Strahan, maybe. Anyway, we get to play that and ask you all the questions. We're not the pros. Um, We're going to start out, you know, very, very specific. This isn't a broad question at all. What role do you see faith playing in mental health? We'll get a little more specific, but just to set the stage. I, I'd love this one. Um, this has been good for me because we get to revisit some of my, why we really do what we do. But yeah. faith is absolute essential um, for what we do. And, and I work with people, I would say 50-50 of my 
clients want God in, in what they do and the, and the help? And 50 were like, do we have to do that Jesus stuff um, if they know I have any kind of faith? And, but I, I, I don't remember who said it, but they said, you know, we're created flawlessly by God. But when we come to earth, we are so get distorted, right? Our versions of ourselves. And, and we're like this incredible cathedral that gets bombed. Um, and so when, I, when we look at people, we just all know that all of us have been bombed and we're, this, we're um, a distorted version of what we could be. And so our job and our faith is trying to figure out how is God wanting to bring in um, the beauty of what he created. And it's so incredible to see before, even if people don't want God, how important it is how we look and view and how do we come alongside and bring those internal changes that we don't just try to prep, you know, put things on the outside to try to look like this good cathedral, but that we really are changing and becoming from the inside out. Yeah, that's good. I agree with that. And I, I would just add too, like, uh, faith is a, a primary hope vehicle, right? And as, as counselors, one of the most important things we can possibly do is provide hope. And you know, for those who would accept it or those who want to talk about it, as Wendy was alluding to, too, like the opportunity to connect what they're going through to the faith journey that they're on is powerful, right? Because the gospel is the greatest uh, of all healers. And so there's such a powerful opportunity there to help people see holistically, you know, how faith can play into what they're dealing with and what they're navigating. Yeah, I love that. And as a more specific question, we kind of started talking about this last week with Colin and Aaron about depression. Um, sometimes we think sadness and depression are the same things. So how do we distinguish between that and also, like, what are some early warning signs of depression? Yes. Uh, so sadness is a normal human emotion. We've all experienced being sad. Uh, or, or, and we will be sad. Um, sadness is usually triggered by something, uh, by a hurtful situation or event, something that's painful, um, disappointing. Um, but again, you're sad about something. And so when that something uh, changes or we, we get over it, typically that sadness kind of goes away. Um, and that's one of the key differences that I would say to note is that when you're depressed, um, it's some, a lot of times it's not triggered by anything. Um, you're, just, you're just sad. Um, and it infiltrates and it seeps into uh, multiple areas, almost every area of your life. Um, and uh, so that's in an abnormal emotional state to be depressed. Um, and so some of the more specific like warning signs or things to look out for, um, to be diagnosed with depression, you need to have at least five of uh, nine. Uh, there's nine total symptoms, but you need to have at least five of them um, for a continual duration of at least two weeks. Um, and so that means you're constantly feeling those symptoms for a, a much longer period of time. And I'll just name a few of those um, symptoms. Um, uh, a loss or decrease of pleasure or interest in most activities, including ones that you were particularly interested in before. Um, significant changes in weight or appetite. Um, having feelings of worthlessness or excessive guilt most days. Um, and again, those are just a few. Um, there's a multiple array of symptoms, but 
that duration is a key difference, having those continual symptoms for a duration of two weeks. Thank you. So with that being, um, I'm coming from the public health side, we have like infectious disease that are short and chronic disease that may stay with us. Depression, um, clinical anxiety, these can be kind of chronic illnesses, right? We're talking about mental health and mental illness being part of that. What would you say to someone that is, is in the middle of that and feels maybe guilt or shame? You know, we can have all the faith in the world, and sometimes with this being an illness, we can't shake it, right? We believe there's healing from God, but sometimes we just can't shake that depression, so to speak. It's not just a temporary thing. What would you say to someone that's experiencing that, that is feeling guilt or shame right now? It's an amazing question. It's one I've thought very long and hard about. Um, I would say two things. Um, the first thing is that someone who's struggling with those feelings of guilt or shame, I pray that they would be encouraged by examples in the Bible. Um, we've kind of talked about these throughout this series. Um, we talked about um, Paul and Jesus. When we look at these examples, it kind of helps us to normalize the human experience, which I think we forget um, so often. When we look at Paul in 2 Corinthians, I won't state the verse, but he says that his pressure that he felt was far beyond uh, his ability to endure, so much so that he despaired his life, right? And Jesus, uh, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, we've kind of gone over this verse, um, but he says that he's in great anguish and he begins to drop sweats, uh, uh, blood, um, sweat, sweat drops of blood, I'm sorry, a little tongue-tied, sweat drops of blood, um, and then in Hebrews, this is very, very encouraging. It encourages me so much for mental health. It says that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Um, and that right there really hits home when it comes to mental health because we can, we can get from that that Jesus cares. He sympathizes with our mental health struggles um, and that he understands the human experience. Uh, he's fully God, fully human. The second thing that I will say is it's crucial to understand that most psychological disorders uh, have a genetic predisposition. And that's one that I think a lot of people don't understand. Uh, a genetic predisposition, chemical imbalance, and or brain abnormality. Um, and so there's an inherited susceptibility to most psychological disorders. Um, and that's nothing you can control. And things that you can't control, uh, you should never feel ashamed uh, or embarrassed about. Um, in fact, I think it's wise uh, and it takes a lot of courage um, to go, okay, I'm having these issues, I need healing. And that healing very well is, you know, could come through medication and counseling and treatment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think last week, I think it, maybe it was Colin who said he sees like his medication as something that's common grace. Like it's something that God created to help and I, I thought that was really awesome. Um, another question is, you know, I feel like we all go through hard seasons of our lives, and some people, it seems like those hard seasons just last forever. Um, so if I were to say, you know, I've prayed so many years for healing from this, and I, I don't feel like I'm healed from it, why isn't God answering me? What would you say to something like that? I'll take this one. Um, God is hearing you. Let me just say that, first and foremost, that God does hear your prayer every single time, and for his purposes, um, maybe he hasn't released you from what you're going through just yet. I think there's any theme in scripture regarding prayer is to be persistent. 
in your prayer. You've got to keep praying. You've got to keep going. Uh, Romans 12, 12 kind of alludes to this. And I think uh, on our end of things, especially understanding that brokenness is a part of the healing process, as hard as that sounds. And to work with someone, especially in a counseling office or someone that you trust, they can kind of walk with you uh, through that brokenness. And I think it can feel discouraging sometimes when you feel like, okay, God hasn't answered my prayer. And um, there is a sense of loss of control that, that comes with that. But to be persistent in that prayer and to say, okay, maybe it's less about changing my circumstances and more about changing my perspective on my circumstance. I heard a great quote from Philip Yancey, um, who's an author. I'm gonna butcher this totally, not word for word, but he, I just loved it. He, he said that, okay, maybe the brokenness you're going through, it's not maybe about uh, getting rid of that brokenness or even working through it, but rather filling it with God's spirit and God's presence. And that's a perspective shift. And so I think persistence in prayer is so key, you know, when it comes to being frustrated uh, when God, when it feels like God hasn't answered your prayer and, and trusting that he will answer your prayer at some point. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, I, I like that. And I, I think an example that came to mind as you were talking was, uh, was Job, you know, who, uh, and really all the, a lot of the Psalms as well, you know, when King David um, constantly came to the Lord and was sharing just raw stuff. You know, a lot of raw emotion, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of anger directed at God, you know. Um, and sometimes we feel like that's, I don't know, faux pas, or we can't do that, or we shouldn't do that, you know. But um, I think Scripture clearly says otherwise. I think there's a part of that that um, we have to do in order to be honest with ourselves before God and others is to be able to say, okay, this is actually how I really feel. This is actually what I'm really struggling with and to acknowledge that to God is also to acknowledge that to myself a lot of times too and for allow him to speak back to me to say like I'm with you in this you know in this hardship in this difficult place thank you I feel extremely blessed to be alive at a time where we're starting to become okay talking about mental health um, it's more and more becoming less stigmatized, or at least we're talking about it more. Um, maybe there's generational differences, but I think right now there's really a wave of, this is part of our health, right? How would you say we can contribute to helping to destigmatize mental health? I mean, what we're doing right now helps. <laughs> this is a part of it. Pat yourselves on the back, yeah. Yeah, pat your church on the back, right? That, that's a big part of it is the, the the invitation to have these conversations openly and honestly, you know, amongst ourselves, especially in the body of Christ and places without uh, where we should not have to feel shame or guilt because we're expressing something that we're hurt over or broken with. And for you as the body of Christ or people who love you to be able to return love, to be able to return acceptance when someone else shares that they're really hurting and broken is powerful. Um, one of the things my dad was really good at was the ministry of presence, is what I called it anyways, is just being with people through their hurt and their brokenness. So that matters a lot. And if you are in counseling yourself, I would say be open about that, right? With yeah. others, I think that's a great way to continue to destigmatize that, kind of like what you're saying uh, there too. You know, if you are in that process yourself, it can be kind of isolating. Uh, I know it's, very, it's a very confidential process, which is great. 
Um, but if God prompts you, it's okay to be open about that. Certainly no shame in saying, yeah, I've been in counseling. I've been counseling for years, and, and that's okay. Yeah, I, I, I lived on the West Coast for a long time before moving to Ohio, and I think I was sort of shocked when I came to Ohio because it was like everybody, you know, in Oregon, you just, I mean, in where I was, you didn't even have to be clothed. I mean, it was, you could be, nude was an option. Um, and so everything was a little more hanging out, literally. Yes. And, um, yep. and so, so to, come, to come to Ohio and doing counseling, um, we specifically called our counseling center um, Thrive Counseling and Coaching because people were so threatened by the term counseling, like, oh my gosh, you know, it's so, yeah. you know, you're going to go see something. And so coaching, they'll go see, right? But that maybe not counseling. And I just think just the fact that you had people share like last week, it's just like you were saying, it's just so powerful. Like we are all broken cathedrals. Mm -hmm. And like, how do we want to come alongside each other? And sometimes we might need somebody who has some experience to help you get unstuck, but boy, to, we're all in this together and how do we be more open? Yep, I love that. So moving into more of like practical questions, these past two years especially I feel like have been hard on everyone in a lot of different ways and I'm sure that you've seen people come in with a lot of recurring questions. So what have been common topics that you've heard in the past few years with some of the people that have come in? I know the past year, there's been a lot of grief. Did I interrupt somebody? I'm sorry. No, oh. you're good. All right. Um, past year, there's been a lot of grief. It's been a big topic. Um, I know if, on my end of things, I, I kind of alluded last week a little bit, there's been a big spike of anxiety and depression. I think even narrowing that down a little bit more, I, I've seen a massive wave of obsessive compulsive disorder type issues, um, big loss of control uh, over the course of the pandemic and kind of make those issues surface. Um, but really, I would say the most uh, depression, anxiety-related issues with teenagers. I've had more calls from parents over the last year, I would say, especially two years, um, to work with their teenage you know, son or daughter. And, um, you know, and every, every area's different, right? I mean, there's different, different demographics and everything, and this is at least kind of what I'm seeing, um, at least kind of outer Columbus, outside of Columbus, a little bit over in Lancaster. Yeah. I D, all the above, and then also um, maybe just um, because of how marriages have suffered um, so heavily through all of the, you know, we, when you contain people in one house and there's already a bunch of fighting and arguing and issues going on, it just exacerbates those issues a lot of times if they have not been equipped to deal with those things appropriately. So, yeah, so just tons of domestic issues and, and struggles, a lot of marriages that are hurting and falling apart. And I know that stat has gone up tremendously, 30-some percent in our area, so. Yeah, thank you. So as you said earlier, you two do not go to our church. Uh, Julie and I get to help lead care and counseling, and for anyone that is not fully familiar with that, it's really our church's kind of ministry of saying, if you reach out and you need help or just a friend, for something spiritual, emotional, relational. We just want to be your friends and run alongside you in that, but we are not professionally trained counselors. Um, and so this is a kind of a question for us as we lead this ministry, but also for anyone that, that may be seeking help. How would you help us to navigate when someone should come, you know, email care at threecreekschurch.com, talk to Tyler and Julie, versus comes to you in the office. Certainly there are things that we are not equipped, you know, to help someone with. How would you help someone decide which of those routes to take or where to start? 
Well, I think regardless of what your issue, if, even if you start with Three Creeks Care, I mean, if, if you guys recognize that you know this is kind of outside of what you're able to handle, they'll point you the right direction. Uh, we have a lot of great resources, a great list of um, trusted counselors in the area. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, first thing, if you're kind of experiencing more of like an acute issue of a, maybe a season of something you're going through or um, kind of, a, kind of a going through a lot of brokenness personally, that, you know, it's, Three Creeks Care is a great place to start for that. Um, they, they will guide you, they will walk with you uh, through that broken season that you are in. But I think if it is something more chronic, like we defined a little bit ago, you know, sadness versus depression, if it is a little more chronic, and I think if your normal functioning every day has just been disrupted uh, for a while, you know, beyond that two-week time frame, um, even more severe issues like, a, you know, you have a history of trauma that you want to start talking about and addressing, I think it'd be good to, you know, call a counselor and call an agency and uh, kind of walk with them through that process. So I think it's kind of more acute versus chronic would be a big difference uh, of kind of where to start. And as counselors, I feel like I know of people that have wanted to start counseling, but they're a little bit hesitant because they don't know what to expect. So what would you say, what does that first counseling session look like? I know it's different for a lot of people, but what would you say? I can share what I'm learning. Yeah. Uh, um, the first counseling session is a lot about getting to know uh, the individual, the client, um, and really just trying to create a bridge. Um, we call it a therapeutical bond. Um, and so we want to connect with them and let them know like, hey, we're here. We empathize, we sympathize, um, and uh, we're not there to judge. Um, and we, we truly um, deeply care and um, want to come alongside um, and not just go, you need to do this and this and this. It's, we want to come alongside um, to partner with the client um, to help them come up with the best way to tackle the, the issue. Yeah, thank you. And I would just add that it's just like any kind of professional that you would go see. Like you go to a doctor and you go to that session, and you know, you meet a doctor and you're like, this isn't a good fit. Like he wasn't listening really well to me or something like that. You can try on different <laughs> counselors to see where is a good fit and what it's like, you know, and so I just encourage you to don't give up if you meet like one and have a session and like it went, oh, this was horrible. Um, try again, try again. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So this is a extremely practical question. Um, I, so I sought counseling last year and my first thought was, is it bad enough I experienced some trauma and I'm thinking like, is it, am I bad enough off that I'm willing to pay for a session? Like the, I immediately thought of cost and that's maybe odd, but that's just where I was at. I'm thinking, is my insurance cover this? Thankfully, my employer has an employee assistance program where it was free. I never saw a bill, it's all just taken care of. Um, but what, what's the insurance side of it? How, how much does a session cost? Is it typically covered by insurance? I know there's a thousand, if there's a hundred people here, there's a hundred different ways that could shake out, but can you give us kind of a, gra a grasp on that? Sure. Um, it can range, you're right, it can range. Uh, counseling is an investment, I mean it is, and it can range from $80 to $150 a session, but I, before you, you know, freak out about that, uh, most insurance plans today, I will say, uh, you know, they will cover, or at least partially cover. Like I said, mental health is becoming more and more talked about, and um, you know, I mentioned last week how you know one of the greatest causes of disability in the world is depression, and so 
uh, insurance will typically cover. And I think, you know, if you don't have insurance or an employer that um, has an EAP program, because a lot of EAP programs are great. Uh, they, are, they are great about covering so many sessions. Even if it's out of network, there's a lot of great out of network uh, counseling benefits today. HSAs, um, flex accounts, all those will cover, you know, those counseling sessions. People don't know that. Um, but if you don't have good insurance even, uh, you know, talk to your agency about that, uh, the counseling agency. There's nothing wrong with asking, okay, if I, you know, is there a discounted rate? As some places offer what's called a sliding scale fee where they'll kind of base it off of your income. And, and I know, I, th I believe every county has uh, like a mental health board and they have a list of uh, pro bono resources, free counseling. Uh, I know there's a list of counselors in every county that like to provide those resources and you know if it's if it's out of what you can afford um, just just be honest about that with the agency and I think most places most counselors agencies want to help you and want to make it as affordable for you you know as possible um, but it is you know I know it's tough sometimes to afford um, but it is it's a great investment in yourself and doesn't mean you're going to be there for five years or ten years or anything. I mean, you can talk to your counselor about how many sessions you can kind of plan on being there for and pretty much give you a good estimate. That's great. Okay. <laughs> I'll speak to the, uh, the non-insurance side because I'm uh, self-pay only, but I do work on a sliding scale with people. So, and I try to help people understand, like, I try not to let cost get in the way of, of you getting the help that you need. Um, but a perspective that might help with that, though, too, is um, kind of the same idea of, uh, as if you would go to the doctor for, you know, if you broke your arm, you're not going to think twice about, like, well, I can't, should I, can I afford this? If there's something that is really wrong, you know, that needs healing and you need professionals to help to come alongside of that, a lot of people find the way to do that. Sometimes it's even asking your church to help or it's asking your friends or it's asking you know, the, the counseling agency itself. But to make that a priority um, is something you would do for a lot of other things that are hurting or broken in you. Right. So just wanted to encourage you with that. Yeah, that's yeah. wonderful, yeah. And I would, I would just say like, even though, I mean, this is what I do, I, I really believe that anybody could benefit from counseling and right. how important it is and that through this pandemic myself, I was feeling like my soul was dying. Like yeah. I wasn't doing well and some of that secondary trauma of just listening to all the stories. And so right. I you know, sought counseling and got, I mean, I'm spending a ton of money right now, which <laughs> I would rather spend on a cruise or something else. <laughs> but I know, I think Dallas Willard said it, like who you are, who you're becoming is, the most, is more important than anything you'll ever do. And because that's what we take into eternity. And so it is very important to put the time and money into becoming the better version of you. Yeah, I love that. And as we're surrounded by friends and family who might be going through something or considering counseling, I know over, um, over the holidays I had a family member um, tell me that they had depression and it just kind of came out of nowhere and it was very unexpected and I just, I want to know how to best help this person. I want to know how to come alongside them, but also encourage them to seek counseling? Like, what is the best way that we can support those around us? Well, I think um, the little bit that I'm experiencing of your church, and I know of it, is you guys do relationship. 
um, you are there for each other and you listen and it doesn't seem like you're judgmental, that is just so important because we know that when we come alongside someone, we actually see how their brains get rewired when we listen well. Um, messages that you may have heard growing up like, you know, you're just not that smart or, you know, you're just, you're not enough. When we have, those are so wired in our brain that we get triggered really easily. But when we're in relationships with other people that take the time to bring a safety, a security, and a trust, it actually, they can see on those scans how, our, how these neural pathways are being changed. So never, ever discount the power of being a listening ear or, and just understanding would be. And Drew mentioned earlier about like a with you approach. And I think, uh, you know, I had a, a great supervisor who always told me and, and all of her um, supervisees and students, just be a, a non-anxious, godly presence for people. I mean, just, just be with them, you know? And I think in, in terms of bringing up even that conversation with family and um, everything else, you know, you, you don't wanna obviously target them, say, you need to go see a psychiatrist, you know? It, probably won't go over well saying it like that, but just to tell them like, hey, have you thought about this, you know, and, and even offering to go with them as a support, uh, you know, that sense of safety that we feel when we have someone with us, uh, offer to go with them that first session if you want to encourage them on that. I know it can be an uncomfortable topic to bring up, but I, I think what you're going to realize is that people will respond well to that question because they, you're letting them know that you are noticing them. Um, you, you care enough about them to bring that topic up. Mm. And I think, I think you'll most of the time get a really good, um, compassionate response whenever you do bring up this topic to them. Yeah, that's good. And I, uh, t just a quick resource um, on helping you as a listener to be a, a, an effective or empathic listener, an active listener. Just go to, uh, to YouTube and look up Brene Brown's little clip on empathy and what it is and what it's not. It's such a powerful little testimony of, or vignette, I should say, of what it is and what it's not. And it's a quick way to learn how to be with somebody but not try to fix them, not try to do something more than maybe what they need you to do or be in that moment. But yeah. That's awesome, thank you. Well, I'm thankful for all of you for hanging out with us this morning, and I'm especially thankful for these four for joining us. So can you join us in giving them a hand and, and thanking them for being with us? Thank you. All right. I'm going to pray us out, and then we will continue to worship together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much um, that you that you do hear us, like Luke said, even when it feels like you don't, um, or, or like we're speaking to a void, Lord, I know that you hear us. I thank you that you love us, that you care for us. I thank you that you understand us. Like Keandria said, you know our pain. You've, you've been there. Uh, your son has been there and felt that deep anguish. Um, I pray for our church. I pray that if anyone is hurting today, in any way, whatever, whatever that is on the, on the continuum of mental health, Lord, that they would would let that be known that they would uh, speak out to a friend, um, to Julie and I, to a professional, whoever that is, Lord. We're not meant to go through this life alone. And so I pray that they would have the, the boldness um, and the security to do that and to know that they're loved and heard. 
Um, I pray that you would be with us as a church as, as we continue um, this conversation after this series, Lord. I pray that this would just be a part of how our church operates, that we're open and honest with each other, um, and that we can have healing in that and help each other heal. I thank you so much um, for the four counselors that were with us this morning, Lord. I pray that you would bless them, bless their ministry. I pray against any of that secondary trauma, Lord, um, that they may experience in their profession, Lord. Um, protect them. I think they're they're one of your front lines on this earth, Lord, and I thank you for them. Um, thank you so much for this morning, and I thank you so much for our church, Lord. I love them so much, and I know you do. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, to visit us in person, or to give online, visit threecreekschurch.com.